welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Say Master is here and you still have not taken off your shoes. What's going on world, welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast, I'm your host Serial Sensei, we are on episode number 147, as always you can give this podcast a listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, Give us a look on social media at the Dodo Talk Podcast Facebook page as well as the Instagram page. Send questions to Dodo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Twitch at Serial Sensei if you feel inclined to do so. Um, today I'm actually recording a kind of an on the whim episode. Um, I will not be joined <laughs> with my co host, Anti Cool, this week. Um, like I said, this episode was kind of impromptu. I didn't really plan on talking about this Bellator card, but ended up being pretty good. <laughs> so I figured I would come in here and, uh, you know, give it its just due, talk talk about it a little bit, um, and talk who, you know, we're, we're both adults. We, we have lives outside of this podcast, obligations, so on and so forth. So uh, he is out adulting. Uh, seems like he will be a busy man for these next couple of days. And I actually was not able to watch the Bellator card in real time. Um, I'm actually recording this at 11.13 a.m. Uh, on Sunday morning. <laughs> so I literally just watched the Bellator card a couple of hours ago when I woke up. And I was enjoying it. I was like, you know what, I should I should probably talk about this. It's actually a pretty pretty solid card. So I figured I'd... Uh, Come in here and talk about it, but boy, it's been a it's been a lot going on this week. Um, I, I had a, I had a pretty pretty cool weekend. I'm not a very social person, but I was out and about last night. Uh, homeboy celebrated his 30th birthday, so I was out in Washington D.C. outside of my comfort zone in a club slash bar slash lounge slash you can play games whatever <laughs> one one of those little uh one of those little shindigs but it, it was a cool time you know went out around some loud music around good people around friends uh played some basketball got dogged in mortal Kombat on the arcade jesus christ i didn't play anybody but i just tried to play the computer and boy am i not good at arcade games anymore um that did not go well <laughs> but um and i had a random guy Random white dude who thought I was security for some reason. Maybe it was because I was just standing around in a black tee, but he was drunk. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> this is random. This random dude just thinking you're security. No, sir, I can't help you with whatever issue you might have. You need to go. Uh, you need to go handle that yourself, buddy. But it was a good time, and I, I didn't get home until like one something in the morning, and. The first thing I'm actually going to talk about before I get to these fights, because I saw this while I was out. Um, so I'm out at this, you know, little bar, lounge, place, whatever, chilling. I look up on the big screen, and I see that Andrew Luck has retired from the NFL. And I am hurt. <laughs> I'm, 
Um, I, we don't really talk about the NFL much on this podcast. I don't really think the Antioch even watches football all that often. Um, I used to watch it a lot. I haven't watched it much in these last couple years, but I, I try to keep up, you know, when I can. But uh, as far as my NFL alliances, um, Dallas Cowboys and an Indianapolis Colts fan. So, of course, as a Colts fan, uh, seeing Andrew Luck kind of just abruptly retire was kind of, Mm, it it hurt. It hurt. And for those who don't know, if you if you don't watch football, um, pretty much like the story of Andrew Luck's career, um, really really talented quarterback, kind of took the rank took the reins of the Colts after Peyton Manning left. And if you know Peyton Manning, those are huge shoes to fill. Um, he was really promising, man. Dude was just a really talented quarterback, physically strong. Um, it's a tank of a quarterback. Good arm. He could be mobile and run out the pocket if he needed to. Um, won us a lot of big games. Got us to the playoffs a couple times. Never won, you know, a Super Bowl or anything. But dude, dude was just a really, a really good, just a really talented quarterback. But the story of his career is just that injuries have kind of always just plagued him. He would just, he would always go through this moment where he'd, he'd have a good stretch of games or maybe a good season and then he gets injured and then he has to rehab and then he comes back and then he plays a couple more games then he gets injured again and then it's just kind of this cycle that just goes around and round and round and round in circles and I guess it and and excuse me for maybe like my lack of coverage on this because I literally I saw this while I was out and of course you know I'm, I'm in a, a bar so like or I'm in like a club so Music's loud. I can't hear anything on the TV. I'm just kind of like reading little blurb headlines as they go across the screen. And then I, I watched the uh, video of the little press conference he did this morning when I woke up. But, you know, you just kind of got the sense from the press conference that he was just kind of, he, he realized his body was just shutting down. Like his body was not, it, it wasn't working. He couldn't, he could not keep continually putting himself he couldn't continually keep putting himself through this process of play for a little bit, get injured, play for a little bit, get injured, play for a little bit, get injured. And and it's not like he was just having like these simple injuries. Like he was really like his shoulder was really bad for one year. I think this year he had, I don't know, it was like a calf or he was getting these really just really bad injuries. And he's only 29 years old. And you feel for a guy when you see somebody that young, just I'm and to put it in perspective, I'm, I'm 30. I'm only, a year older than he is like I couldn't imagine like every year of my life I have to have this major injury I have to keep getting these surgeries over and over and it's keeping me from doing like the one thing I actually really care about um so he just kind of like abruptly retired and it hurt as a fan and also just like as a person just having empathy because it's like dude at 29 you don't in any sport man at 29 like having to retire from injuries like that has to really that has to really suck, man. Like, that that has to really, really... And it... The, oh, boy. The, moments like these just kind of remind you of... <laughs> sports fans are just kind of... They, they can be really garbage and, like, trash. I, I didn't see all of what happened during the game, but I guess at one point during the game, Andrew Luck um, had left the field uh, during the preseason, like, wearing his street clothes, and, like, the fans started booing him. Which, to me, is crazy. Because I'm like, do you guys remember some of the days when Andrew Luck wasn't there? 
Like, <laughs> do we remember the dark days when we had backup quarterbacks in? Those weren't good times. They, do y'all remember Curtis Painter? Yeah, I remember Curtis Painter. I remember a lot of losing that year. It was not fun. <laughs> a lot of Andrew Luck and, and any quarterback in the last like decade not named Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, when they were on the field, it was not a good time. Um, but now his, his injury to me, and I guess it's kind of ties to MMA too, is kind of just a reminder of it, sports can be just, it can be brutal. And we, we've seen this in the NBA with, with Boogie, who just, um, Boogie Cousins, who I don't know if his career is over, but to be honest, it kind of seems like it. He just had another major injury. And it just, it's just these moments when you get these guys who, who are still, I can't even just say relatively young. They're, they're young dudes, and they're having these really just terrible injuries, and a lot of them just repeated year after year, and it's like, I guess fans just expect because these guys are professional athletes that they're some kind of, like, superheroes. Like, they can just kind of overcome anything. It's like, not nah, like, these dudes are human. Like, at some point, you're just going to reach a, a breaking point where it's like, oh, I can't do this anymore. And to be honest, I'm I'm always for a guy getting out earlier rather than later, because you would hate to see Luck or any athlete have this injury, have this injury, you know, rehab and then possibly come back and then get injured again and it'd be something worse. And it's like, as fans, I think just fans are just really selfish. You're just thinking about your own entertainment, your little trash fantasy football team or whatever. But it's like, dude, these are like people at the end of the day, like. Dude, especially Luck. I think Luck is married, has... I don't know if he has kids, but... Like, he's married, has a family, like... All that all that stuff, like... People want to... Uh, football or whatever sport you're in, it's not the end-all be-on. Uh, end-all be-all, like... I know they love it to death, which is kind of what... Really hurts to see a guy go through something like that. Because you know he really wants to play, but his body just really isn't allowing him to. But, like, there's life after football. And there's life after whatever sport you're in is over. And... I'd rather a guy, same as like Calvin Johnson, whose situation wasn't like Andrew Lux, but just a guy who just got out early because like, dude, like my body's getting banged up. I'm not trying to be out here getting CTE. Like, let me get out while I'm healthy. And for Luck, unfortunately, he he didn't want to get out. He was just kind of forced to get out. But I'd rather you get out now, rehab, let your body heal up, and just go... Just go live life. Just go enjoy life. Enjoy time with your family. There's there's life after after football. I'm, I'm pretty sure he could become a coach. He very, very talented quarterback. I'm sure he knows plenty about the game that he can pass on to somebody else. Um, but it was just really trash to see fans like boo him. Like y'all are y'all are disgusting. Like don't it's yeah. It, uh, <laughs> it shows on the internet. You you can tell who's actually been through anything in life, and who's just kind of on their keyboard warrior, you know, oh, I would have done, I would have done, and you wouldn't have done nothing, bro, well, you wouldn't even have made it to the NFL, um, first of all, so we can start there, but, no, nah, man, it, it really sucks seeing that, um, but, you know, as a Colts fan, that, that definitely stung, but, uh, best of luck to, uh, best of luck to, to Andrew Luck, man, um, really sucks it had to end this way, but, Dude was a really, really talented quarterback whose career just unfortunately got cut by 
got cut by injuries, man. Just really got cut by injuries. Um, got cut, cut short by injuries, I should say. But um, best of luck to Andrew, man. I hope life after football treats you well. Hope I hope to see you in the front office. Uh, somewhere in that Colts organization, maybe being a coach down the line, just something, something, because um, he's done a lot to help that team, um, so I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing him in the front front office somewhere, but hopefully, man, life after football treats you well, so best of luck to Andrew, um, appreciate you, appreciate you, man, oh, that was nice and somber, <laughs> so, um, I guess we can go ahead and kick this podcast off. Uh, not a lot to cover today. Like I said, I'm going to just come here kind of on the women talk about Bellator. But I do have a few fight announcements on the docket. Uh, not a lot in terms of, well, not a lot really in general. <laughs> but I'll just run through these uh, fight announcements, maybe give a few quick thoughts, and then we'll move on to uh, Bellator 225. So fight announcements. At UFC 244, we will have Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington. And also on the same card, Edmund Shabazian versus Christoph Jocko. Um, as far as Covington Usman, I think we've talked about that fight a few times on this podcast. Um, my stance really from now until then hasn't really changed much. I, I think I'm, I still feel pretty comfortable rolling with Usman. I just, and I, I don't. As much as I really don't like Covington as like a person, I, he just he is just cringe to the max, like that uncomfortable kind of cringe. But I I can't discount or discredit his skills as a as a fighter as an MMA competitor. Um, but I just some of the things that I've seen Covington do against his other opponents. I just don't imagine him being able to do against Usman. Like, I do not see him being able to just kind of bully him around in the clinch or get him up against the cage. Like, Usman is, is like, freakishly athletic and, and strong. And I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't, I I. I don't see how he's really gonna, I would be really impressed if he did, but I just, I don't see how he's gonna really be able to just kind of bully Usman around like that. I don't, that's something we've never really, really seen uh, happen before. I just, I think Usman, Usman will be able to handle his own in terms of wrestling, in terms of grappling, and to be honest, it, <laughs> Usman's probably... Probably stronger than Covington. Like I, I would not be surprised at all if this is a fight where we end up seeing Covington on his back. I could definitely see that happening. Um, like I, I just I cannot I can't imagine Usman just giving up ground to Covington so willingly, um, the way other opponents have. And and that's you know partially I have to give props to Covington for that because that just kind of relentless smothering style that he has. But I just I I, I don't know I don't see it. I really don't see it. That also could be a fight. <laughs> I can envision this fight going a couple ways, but I'm also prepared for that fight to kind of be a fight where not a lot happens. Uh, I could also envision it being that way. Um, and to be honest, I think that could be Covington's best chance to win. Maybe he does. Maybe they do just kind of have a 
one of those clinch rests against the cage. And it's just a lot of little inside strikes and foot stomping. But I don't know. I, I think Usman's I think Usman's honestly gonna be able to get him out there. I think Usman's just physicality is just eventually gonna be too much for for Covington. Um I just yeah. I I, I and not to mention he, he Usman can crack pretty hard. Yeah, I, I just I don't know how Kobe wins this. I, I got Usman I got Usman getting him out of there probably by about round three ish. That's my prediction. Uh, Edmund Shabazi and Christoph Jocko. Um, thought that was a pretty interesting uh, matchup. For some reason, I know a lot of people are really high on Shabazian. For some reason, I got a feeling. <laughs> I got a feeling. Jocko's about to mess around and crash the party, man. He's about to leave a lot of people hurt. I could be wrong. Shabazian's pretty talented, but Jocko's been in there. I know Jocko doesn't always have the most consistent performances, but he's been in there with with with, with, with some some of the best dudes. Um, I don't know. I just got I just got this feeling. I'm, I'm not gonna say it's gonna happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. But I I, I like the matchup. I'm, I'm interested to see how that fight turns out. So that'll be at UFC 244. Um, at UFC Singapore, we'll have Ben Askren versus Damian Maya. I I'm not mad at this fight. Um, I think considering what just happened to Askren in the Masvidal fight, um, I think this matchup makes sense. Like, I, I think it's somebody that he can beat, um, and will probably be a fight that he won't get flying need in, but that would be wild, bro. If, <laughs> if we see K1 Mai catch Askren with, like, a flying knee, I'm out of here. But, I feel like I should be more excited about this fight than I am. And that's because I remember back when Damian Maya fought Jake Shields. And a lot of people, I know a lot of people, a lot of people didn't like that fight. I was really hyped for that fight. To see two dudes who were just so skilled <laughs> at, at like grappling just kind of be able to go at it. Um, I remember really enjoying that fight. But for some reason, this fight, which is somewhat similar to that, though Aspirin and Jake Shields aren't. They're not really the same. Like, Shields is a really strong grappler. Um, can also execute submissions really well. Weird to say. I think Jake Shields is actually more entertaining to watch than Ben Askren. Which is wild because Jake Shields is... When you think of Jake Shields, you don't really think of exciting. But in terms of just watching him just kind of execute grappling, execute just being able to outmaneuver, outposition... Uh, his opponents, especially the way he did to Maya, we don't really get to see that often. In those kind of matches, I, I find him entertaining to watch. Askren's wrestling to me isn't really... It's dominant, but it's not really eye-pleasing. And I just think after watching Askren for so long in Bellator, I just kind of feel like with Askren, with, you've seen one Askren fight, you've kind of seen them all. So I, I guess for some reason, this fight just isn't really doing it for me. But I think the one thing that's going to keep me interested, I would love to see if if somehow, like, Askren can't get Maya down and Maya can't get Askren down and we can see K1 Maya score off against, I don't know which, WBC Askren? Does he have hands? Like, I don't think he, not really. <laughs> I, I'm interested to see this fight turn into, like, a five-round just really ugly 
It's just really ugly, terrible, like, boxing slash kickboxing sloppy matchup. That really intrigues me. Uh, I'm ready to see not something terrible, but kind of something terrible, if, if you get where I'm going. But I'm probably going to roll, I think I'm going to roll with Maya on this one. I'm probably going to roll with Maya. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. That's an interesting matchup. Um, and boy, if Askren drops this uh, matchup to Maya, we have to we have to look back at that Mighty Mouse trade. It's gonna be looking real funny in hindsight. <laughs> looking real, real suspect in hindsight. But I think I'm gonna roll with Maya. Just I'm, I'm gonna trust in his jujitsu, and he's not a terrible striker. Like he's not the best, but he's gotten much more just at least competent on the feet. Backtracking to his fight with Covington, that first round he boxed Colby up. Um, so I'm just I'm gonna give Maya the win just because I think he's a bit more well-rounded. And Askren at this point, I don't think he's really gonna evolve his game. Like I think at this point, we know if you've been watching Askren for this wrong for this long, you, you know who Askren is. Um, so I'm gonna go I'm gonna roll with Maya because I think he just has a bit more bit more tools at his disposal. Um, so that'll be at UFC Singapore at UFC 245. We'll have Matt Brown versus Ben Saunders. All I can say about this fight, uh, Matt Brown, uh, two-year layoff. He's coming back. I thought Ben Saunders was retired. I, I honestly don't remember. I, I don't know, man. Like these, Sometimes seeing guys who I think should stay retired, seeing them fight kind of bothers me. But I guess the one positive I'll say about this matchup is I'm I'm at least glad that these are kind of two guys who I think it's fair to say are kind of, you know, at their end of the tail end of their careers. I mean, Matt Brown hasn't fought in two years. And, you know, Ben, ben Saunders to me at this point, like I like Ben Saunders, but at some points it, it sometimes it just seems hard to watch him fight. Um, it just seems like when he gets knocked out, like it's like it's really bad. It's almost like you get concerned for the guy. But I'm at least glad that these guys are fighting each other and not, you know, some hot shot like 10-0 and prospect where, like, the prospect is pretty much a fight where they know the prospect's going to run them over. So in that, if I look at it, look at it in that scope, uh, I guess this is a cool matchup. And I think it should be a fun fight. Like, Matt Brown is a really violent, really violent dude. Uh, ben Saunders is, is a really crafty vet as well, so... I think this will, I don't, I honestly don't, I don't think this fight's going to last long. I think somebody's going to be out of there in the first round. I think I'm going to roll, hmm, I don't know. Because ben, ben Saunders is is pretty crafty, but Matt Brown, man, I don't know, if Saunders might, if, if Saunders can work that body, he might have a good chance. But even after two-year layoff, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to roll with Matt Brown. But don't, I don't know, don't quote me on that. Like, I don't know. I'm really splitting hairs with that one. But I think Matt Brown's probably going to take it. Um, but that'll be at UFC 245. And at UFC Tampa, we will have Eric Anders versus Gerald Mearshart. Um, so that's all I have for UFC fight announcements. I feel like I'm missing one, but I honestly can't remember. If I missed anything, we'll come back next week on next week's podcast. We'll, we'll go back over it. But uh, at Bellator... Uh, the only pretty new uh, news I have for them, uh, Roy McDonald and Douglas Lima 
welterweight grand prix final will be going down on october 26th cannot wait for this fight the tournament's been really fun man it's given us a lot of good moments and um we finally get to see these two rematch and man i gotta i'm going i'm going with lima man i'm going with the homie he's been one of my favorites for a long time I think he's going to get that title back, man. I, I really do. I, th I think he's going to I think he's going to be able to get it done this time. He's had a good run in this tournament. Had one of the craziest knockouts versus MVP. Um but Roy's been handling business too. So, I think it's going to be another it's going to be a tough fight, but I think I think Lima I think Lima's going to be able to get him. Um I'm trying to think of a bold bold spicy prediction. Bold spicy prediction. Lima's gonna finish him. I'm gonna stand on that. <laughs> I'm gonna stand on that. It's gonna be a tough fight. It's gonna be a tough fight. I'm gonna say Lima finishes him. I don't know how. Maybe TKO by like round four. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a nice back and forth scrap. Both dudes are probably gonna be pretty marked up. But I'm gonna say Lima TKO round four. I'm gonna stand. I'm gonna stand on that. Watch McDonald somehow, like, KO him in round one. I'm going to be up here looking crazy. <laughs> but that's going down October 26th. I cannot wait for that fight, man, like this. Bellator has done a really good job as of late uh, with these tournaments. I think they're a lot better than what they were back in the, the Bjorn days, uh, Bjorn Rebney days. I think mostly because at, at this stage in 2019, like, Bellator's roster is a lot deeper than it was back then so like if you look at even like that featherweight tournament like you look at that tournament it's like bro i don't know who's gonna win this there are so many good matchups in that tournament as to like back in the day when they used to do the tournaments like you kind of knew who was going to be in the finals it was the same couple of guys but these tournaments man I, i've i've been impressed i really like how they've handled them how they put them together the matchup that they the matchups that they've made um but that, that welterweight tournament will be coming to a head on October 26th. Lima versus McDonald. It's going to be awesome. Definitely, definitely can't wait for that one. And the last bit of news is Bellator signed former rugby star uh, James Haskell. They made this seem like it was a really big announcement. And maybe it is. I, I'm probably speaking out of ignorance. Uh, they, they were teasing this whole, oh, we've signed a major international fighter or something, something. And they had them all in like the black silhouette looking like a hidden character in a Tekken game. And then it turned out to be James Haskell. I don't watch rug rugby. Um, like I have watched it before, but like I don't follow it like that. I, I can't name you one rugby player from the top of my head. So I don't really know how big of a deal this is. I don't even know if Haskell has any kind of combat sports background. Um, obviously, if you play rugby, though, you are you have to be a pretty good athlete. So I, I guess I'll give him that. Like he, he looks like a pretty um, looks like a pretty strong. <laughs> pretty strong and sturdy gentleman but as far as like his skills in a, in a cage i i don't know i don't know if he ever wrestled or did any combat sports so I, I don't know but bellator signed a former rugby player that's the thing look forward to it i guess <laughs> i don't know what to tell you but that's all i got for uh news and notes this week so we will move on ahead to the main attraction uh, of the evening or morning I should say because that's when I'm recording this Bellator 225 uh, went down 
Uh, where did it go down? I don't know. <laughs> oh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, this was on Saturday night, I believe. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I missed it in real time because at the time, I think I was out uh, before I went to the club. I think I was at like Buffalo Wild Wings. But I was out and about, so I didn't see this in real time. I just, every now and again, I would just kind of check my phone and see what was going on. And initially, to be honest, like I wasn't, initially I wasn't really looking forward to this card. Um, I guess in hindsight, I probably, I probably should have thought this would have been a little, I, I think really what made me not look forward to this card was the main event and co-main event, mostly because we all know how the first Karatanov and Mitrion match ended, and the last Minikov performance that I saw left a really sour taste in my mouth, and I think those two fights kind of blinded me from everything else that was on this card, because now that I look at it, I'm like, there were actually some... And to my credit, some of these guys who performed on the prelims, I didn't really know of. Um, but yeah, to be honest, like I wasn't super looking forward to this card, but I saw a lot of clips of it on Twitter, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to watch this when I wake up tomorrow. So I woke up this morning, and I started watching the prelims. I was like, oh, this, this, bro, every every fight, literally every fight was a finish, and that's my kind of card. I'm, I'm all for that. It makes rewatching them so much easier <laughs> when when nobody sees the end of a round three so um yeah this this car was really really dope so i will just start from the top uh main event sergey Karatanov versus matt mitrione uh first match ended with a nut shot very anticlimactic you know is what it is second fight we actually got a fight i mean i'm, I'm glad we we actually got to see some some heavyweight fist to cuffs be thrown. Uh, first round, I thought Mitrione was, was doing pretty good. Pretty, uh, as you all know, Mitrione pretty, for heavyweight, pretty nimble on his feet. He was landing pretty good combinations. He had a nice little inside leg kick going. Uh, Caratano like, looked like a little stiff in the first round. Like, he, he would pump a jab out every now and again. Um, I feel like he, he kind of went for that uppercut a couple times, but he just kind of just got outworked. Uh, a lot in that first round. Just Mitrion's a lot more busier, uh, put pressure on him. Just in terms of volume, had just he had just much more to offer than Karatanov did. Karatanov spent a lot of time in that first round, kind of on the outside, just not really being able to get much off. And you know, Mitrion had a, had a pretty pretty solid first round, but it's heavyweight MMA, and in heavyweight MMA. There, there's always room for shenanigans, and boy, did they start happening. Um, I can't remember if this all happened in the second round. It might have happened in the first. But uh, Matt Mitrione, in the case of the uh, mysterious mouthpiece, that like fell out of his mouth, I, I want to say four times. <laughs> like it, it got to the point where uh, I think I think Mergliata uh, was the one refing this fight. And he pretty much just had to threaten Mitrion, like, bro, if that mouthpiece comes out one more time, um, we gon' we gonna stop this, uh, not stop the fight, but you, you're getting a point taken away. Um, <laughs> it was like Mitrion, um, I'm sorry, Caratano would like just land something, and then like Mitrion's mouthpiece would just kind of go flying. Um, so that that happened a couple times, but in the second round, uh, I think Caratano just kind of just woke up like Mitrion was still being busy 
but you could see Karatanov just started to really pick it up more. Um, he started to land that the the jab was was getting a little more frequent. Um, he started going to he started throwing some pretty good body shots, um, and you could see him. He was working that uppercut, boy. He wanted that uppercut bad. Saw him. He 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 hit Mitrione with the Philly shell pose a couple times. Um, but now he really just kind of started getting busier in that second round, and it just seemed like Sergey hits pretty hard, man. It seemed like when Sergey Sergey was landing with some with some authority, and even though as busy as Mitrione was, I never got the sense that Ser- you got the sense that Sergey was being like kind of outworked. But never that he was in actual like danger of being stopped or or anything. Um, Sergey started landing some some pretty good shots, and like I said, he he would catch like Mitrione like a hook. Mouthpiece goes out. Mergliotta gets mad. Mouthpiece goes back in. Repeat like it was it was kind of a a wild thing, but um yeah came to a head in that second round. Um. And it ended up kind of being, I ain't going to blame it on the mouthpiece because I'm not, I'm not going to take away credit from uh, Karatanov, but um, they had an exchange, and I, I want to say Sergey caught uh, Mitrion with like a left, and his mouthpiece, uh, <laughs> Mitrion's mouthpiece took the dive, and Mitrion did kind of like this, like, oh boy, here goes his mouthpiece again. And like while he's like complaining in his head, Sergey got the uppercut on deck. <laughs> ready to go fires off the uppercut and uh boy he landed that bad boy pretty hard and uh mitrione uh was not ready for that smoke uh hit a stumble back and ate a knee on his way to the ground um ate the knee ate some ground and pound and it was a wrap um i don't know lesson learned from this fight um make sure your mouthpiece is uh good Cause he was saying in this corner that uh, he, he was saying to Murphy, "I like, oh, my other mouthpiece is in my bag." We're like, well, why, why don't you have that mouthpiece instead of this little flimsy dollar store one that you apparently have that's falling out every three seconds? But uh, I don't know. I guess a uh, mouthpiece got him chin checked. That was terrible. That was a terrible joke. I should edit that out. <laughs> but <laughs> either way, man, uh, Sergey put some put some good hands on him. That was a really nasty uppercut. Um, good one, good one for Sergey. That was a really nice finish. Um, good on Sergey for just making better adjustments in the second round, just getting more active, uh, not getting caught with like his back against the cage, or just being forcefully being put on the outside. Like he became a lot more active. He started pushing the fight more. I, I like to see that from fighters when it's not going well in the first round. And he just kind of able to make the the proper adjustments. Like he he really just kind of stole that fight back. Um, so good on Sergey. Off a good uppercut to knees. Uh, he got Mitrione out of there in round two. So congrats to him, Sergey Karatanov, won via TKO. Uh, co-main event: Vitali Menikov versus Timothy Johnson. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Menikov's last outing uh, against uh, Czech Congo. Not not good, not good. No bueno, <laughs> no, no bueno. Uh, awful fight, awful fight. Um, and it sucked because we hadn't seen Menikov in Bellator for a while. And if you know Menikov, 
he's always been regarded as one of the best, if not the best heavyweight that's not in the UFC, and could probably give a lot of UFC heavyweights a, a pretty good run for their money. Um, you, you don't want to see him turn in that kind of performance, but he bounced back uh, from that Chad Congo loss in a pretty big way. Um, I like I just like seeing he, he came out real aggressive, like it looked like he was actually really trying to prove a point, and. While Timothy Johnson might not be like the best heavyweight in the world, he is a pretty, it's a pretty big dude, and it was wild seeing Menikov just kind of suplex him like he was like a little kid, like he got. It was at one point I think it was kind of like right when the fight first started. Like Menikov came out really aggressive. He just kind of blitzed him, got him up against the cage, and he kind of took. Timothy's back and he just lifted him up and just kind of threw him like a small child um twice actually well he suplexed him once and then the, the other one was kind of more it wasn't really a suplex he kind of kind of just threw him but either way like Timothy Johnson's a big dude that, that's a large man to just kind of just casually throw around um <laughs> just casually throw around like that but the finish in this fight was beautiful um uh they had a couple of Decent exchanges, nothing uh, too crazy. I, I couldn't tell from the camera angle because Menikov went for a, I think it was an uppercut. I couldn't tell if he landed it though because uh, the way the camera angle was. But the finish, uh, the front kick to Timothy Johnson's uh, midsection immediately followed by, I think it was a right hand that really just cracked Timothy right on the chin, snapped his head back. He had to hit the the retreat stumble <laughs> back to the cage, and uh, he he did like this fall, and then Minikov just blasted him with a right and a left, and like his soul. <laughs> it it always looks bad when a guy's like head is like back against the cage and he eats a shot. It just, it makes it that much worse. Like, he, Minikov cleaned him with that right hand. I don't even think he really needed the left to follow, but, you know, hey, you got to you gotta do what you got to do until the ref tells you to stop. But, boy, he, whew, the, the The front kick and the jab were hard enough. That last right hand that he caught Timothy with while Timothy was, like, kind of laying back, like, kind of crouched with his back against the cage, that was just... That was filthy. <laughs> that was that was nasty. But for somebody who likes Minikov, that this is the kind of performance slash like finish that I wanted to see coming back from that Czech Congo fight. Like this is that's how you bounce back. Like that was that was a brutal finish. Um so congrats to Vitaly Minikov. He got the KO over Timothy Johnson just via savageness. <laughs> um, pretty much. Um and a lot of these recaps are gonna be pretty pretty quick because a lot of these fights that just did not last long like i said and every fight literally from the main card to the prelims was a finish um but moving down to women's flyweight uh alejandra lara versus taylor turner um most of this fight was pretty much contested on the ground um they kept it standing for a brief moment when this fight first started um, and then I think La uh, Laura clinched with Turner, got her down. And a lot of this fight was just Laura taking Turner down, uh, you know, being able to advance position, land some ground and pound, land some elbows. Um, at one point she had, uh, Laura had Turner's um, 
arm trap, beat her up a little bit. Uh, Turner had a brief moment where she was able to kind of uh, get Lara off of her. Um, she was able to kind of get her feet on the hips, kick Lara off. Didn't uh, wasn't able to get back up though. <laughs> Ended up eating uh, eating a punch uh, when Lara hopped back in her guard, and then Lara just starts raining down some abusive ground and pound. And Taylor's, I guess, kind of last hail mary hope. Uh, she went for, it was, I think she went for like a leg lock. And that whole kind of battle happens where they're kind of twisting around. And in the midst of all this, um, Taylor tried to take Lara's back. And it ended up not working. Not only did it end up not working, uh, Lara went from <laughs> getting getting out of that position to mounting Turner. Uh, hit her with like two pretty hard elbows. Uh, Turner had to turn around, gave up her back, and then Laura just starts just abusing Turner with, <laughs> with punches from the top. Turner just has to kind of cover up and turtle up, kind of no way out of it. She's completely flattened out, face against the cage, and she is just eating punches with just no no way to combat it, no way to defend it, no way to kind of get out of the situation. She just repeatedly ate punches until... Uh, Laura ended up uh, getting the win. Ruff came in and stopped it. Laura got the TKO win via abusive ground and pound, <laughs> all while wearing. Uh, th th <laughs> watching Bellator reminds me of why, like the UFC, just shouldn't have these nasty, ugly Reebok, uh, you know, uniforms, uh, so to speak. You got, you got to let the fighters express themselves uh, via their clothes. Uh, Laura had some. Some Nike <laughs> shorts that said "Eat Clean, Bro" on the back. I thought that was pretty dope. Um, but not Lara. Um, very abusive ground and pound to Taylor Turner. So Alejandro Lara uh, got that win in the first round. Uh, moving down, Yaroslav Amasov versus David Rickles. Uh, Yaroslav, what is his record? I know, dude, still undefeated on like some Habib type. <laughs> type stuff um but he, he's been a guy who's kind of lately um been making waves in bellator man uh at welterweight well according to wiki this is that catch weight so i guess guess one of them didn't uh did not make weight but yeah so yaroslav is 21 and 0 um undefeated uh been in bellator handling handling business um i want to say was his last fight the eric Silva, yeah, he's beaten uh, Eric Silva uh, and Gerald Harris, among some others, um, and he looked pretty good again in this fight. Um, a lot of this fight was pretty much contested on the ground, um, though when they first started, uh, they had a, a little exchange in which, um, I want to say Amasov, I think, caught Rickles with a right and kind of kind of give him a quick stagger, like real quick to start the fight off, um, but like Amasov was just able to kind of just take Rickles down and just really just be able to just he just pretty much was able to just control the fight um it, it was a pretty dominant performance maybe not like the most entertaining but he really did just was able to just kind of take Rickles down uh in that first round got him down uh beat him up a little bit Rickles trying to do something Trying to just do anything he can from his back, but nothing's really 
really working. Just uh, Amasov just really able to just kind of smother him. Um, so Rickles ended the first round just on his back. Things not looking too well. Um, and then in the second round, uh, he uh, Amasov got Rickles down pretty quick. Uh, Rickles tried to land some um, some little short elbows, I guess, to deter Amasov from. Uh, I think he was going for a single leg, and I guess he was just trying to trying to hit him with some short elbows and just wiggle him off. Didn't work. <laughs> Amasov got him down, and it just pretty much became a repeat um, of the first round. And unless I'm confusing this fight with another one, I want to say um, Amasov had Rickles down um, in his guard, landing ground and pound. And then at one point, he was... Um, I think he was in like side control and I, I can't remember the sequence like I remember him jumping over Rickles knee to get into side control and that ended up being what got him the darts choke I, I, I like how he how he really got it. it was pretty slick um the way he got the darts choke the way he was able to just advance his position to get the darts in but yeah pretty pretty dominant performance from Amasov like there was never a point in that fight where he was in danger he was pretty much in control from start to finish and i, I guess at this point I, I i'm down with seeing him fight uh I, I don't know who you give him but you know, he's got a win over gerald harris eric silver david rickles at 21 well he was 21 i know at the time of this fight now 22 i know um, it, it might be time to give him that 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 little leap in in competition. See if he can see how he fares against some of the more I guess like elite you know members of of the Bellator welterweight division. Definitely a, a nice fresh face, um, dude who has smothering wrestling can mix it up pretty well. Uh, pretty strong, just really just kind of able to assert his will on his opponents. Um, I'm, I definitely would be down to see him fight somebody in that kind of like upper echelon uh Bellator welterweight division to see what he can do but uh yeah got a pretty dominant win over David Rickles so shout outs to Yaroslav Amasov uh won via Darce Choke in the second round and to round out the main card uh Tyrell Fortune versus Rudy Shafroth um apparently these two had some kind of history kind of wrestling history um and I think I want to say I think Fortune beat him in wrestling at some point, they meet again in MMA. Uh, not a lot happened in the first round. Um, Rudy was throwing pretty hard, though. He, he was throwing some pretty pretty hard shots. I uh, like what Fortune was doing with that leg kick. He was battering uh, Rudy with that leg kick. Like, like I want to say every time after the first time he landed it, like <laughs> Rudy literally would like drop to a knee or fall. Um, I wanted to see some more aggression from, from Fortune in the first. But I guess it was a part of his little diabolical plan. They mentioned it on commentary that he kind of had this thing that... Because uh, both both these guys are undefeated, I think, at the time when they both stepped in the cage. Uh, I think both of them were 6-0. and um, And they mentioned during commentary that Fortune wanted... He basically wanted to drag Rudy into the second round because Rudy had never been into the second round. He wanted him to know what that felt like and that he would finish him in the second so maybe that was why he wasn't so aggressive in the first, because I feel like he had opportunities to be aggressive and he just kind of didn't take them. Um, but uh, he probably still won the first round just kind of based on those leg kicks alone. Um, and then, boy, in that second round, he he, he turned it up. Um, MMA, I think, uh, I think MMA a lot of the times 
the, the, the thin line between you winning and you ending up on the wrong end of highlight reel or just losing a fight is just being able to just, it's all about opportunities and being able to take, take advantage of just even the most minute opportunity, just that, that one split second opportunity where you do something right that your opponent either doesn't see coming or just, just isn't ready for. And that can literally just be the difference between you winning or losing a fight. Um, and Fortune kind of did just that. He he got those leg kicks going again. And in the first round where he would get the leg kick and, like, Rudy would just kind of drop, he would kind of just let Rudy get back up. Like, it, it didn't seem like there was a lot of urgency there. And then in the second round, hits him with the leg kick. Rudy drops to, like, a knee. And while he's on the way back up, Fortune just rushes him. Like, <laughs> cracks him with a right, has him staggering around, landed some vicious ground and pound. Um, like, he was really letting loose <laughs> on Rudy with the ground and pound. Um, but he actually didn't get the finish by TKO, ended up uh, getting Rudy's back um, and, and gave him the rear naked choke. And it was a really... Really impressive finish. Just uh, that split second opportunity that just that little small window when Rudy was just trying to get back to his feet and Fortune just just blitzed him. Um, it it kind of reminded me in similar fashion of the way Lima beat um, the way Lima KO'd uh, Michael Venom Page, you know, sweep the leg out from under him. And then that split second while he's trying to get back up, you just kind of crack him with something. Um, and I, I thought Fortune had a had a similar moment where he just was able to take advantage of a really, a really just split second moment, and it ended up working in his favor. Um, so I guess that would now make him like seven, you know, I uh, want to say. So still moving on as a as a prospect, still somebody not to I think rush along. It's funny because we mentioned <laughs> on a lot of our other podcasts, like what is a prospect. Um, especially in the UFC, because a lot of their guys are prospects, maybe in terms of they're new to the UFC. But at the same time, they're not really prospects, because a lot of these dudes, before they get to the UFC, have had pretty long fighting careers in other organizations. But I think Bellator probably has what the word prospect really means in like the most pure form. Like a guy like Tyro Fortune, guys like on their undercard, like um, uh, Mike Kimball, who lost his fight, who I'll get to. Um, guys like Ed Ruth on the roster, uh, I guess maybe Austin Vanderford to a degree. Um, guys like those, I think, are really kind of what, or what more in line of what an actual prospect is, um, than kind of UFC guys. I just thought that was that was a just a little tidbit that I thought of while I was watching this card. But uh, Tyra Fortune got the win via submission, rear naked choke. That was the main card. Um. Did not last long at all. You can go back on the zone and watch it. And like I said, it, it was all finishes. So it won't take you really long to rewatch this if you didn't get to see it. But I would definitely recommend it. It was, like I said, on, on paper, I wasn't like really crazy about this card. But like all of the finishes were just pretty impressive. And when it's all finishes, it just it makes it makes it more fun to watch. Um, I won't roll through all of the prelims, but I'm going to mention a couple of them that I watched. Because I actually did watch a pretty good handful of them. Um... Nick Newell versus Corey Browning at lightweight. Uh, guys who don't know, Nick Newell uh, used to fight in WSOF. 
Um, he also uh, was one of pretty much one of their most notable fighters on WSOF. Um, I think he ended up getting a shot on I want to say the Contender Series, and I think he lost his fight. But um, guys been out here handling business. Um, Y'all uh, guys who know his his you know known as the guy who fights with one hand. Um, pretty much what he's he's recognized recognized as but uh he got a one fight deal i mentioned this on one of our last couple episodes of the podcast that he got a one fight deal with bellator uh to fight Corey browning which i thought was an interesting matchup because Corey browning's last two fights were i don't want to call them height train derails because and i don't mean this as a shot but i don't know how much of a prospect we really consider like because i think his last two were chalmers uh aaron chalmers and and baby slice and I don't really know how much of a prospects we think those two are, but either way, like Corey was able to shut both of them down. Um, but Nick Nick Noel, if you know Nick Noel, man, he he's pretty legit. Like he he's I wouldn't really put Nick Noel on like a level of a prospect. Like he's been around here for a while. He's fought some pretty good guys. Um, he he knows what he's doing in there. He he's not just some run of the mill. Like he he's he's out here, but. A uh, pretty good performance from uh from Nick Newell. Um, able to uh, work his jab. He they had a couple of exchanges. He landed some pretty good uh, right hands. Forgive me if I don't remember a lot of these fights in ton of ton of detail. I literally just watched these this morning, but I only saw them once. So the prelims is always when my old man memory kicks in. But I remember Nick Newell landing some pretty uh, good right hands in the exchanges that they had. Um, and he was able to get Corey down. He had some really strong uh, grappling, and and the way, and I never, I don't know how I never noticed this in all the times that I've watched Nick Noel fight, and some of the ways that he kind of works the clinch in his grappling, where like he'll, if you never watched Nick Noel fight and you don't know about you know him only having one hand, like his, uh, the hand, the the, the arm that he's missing a hand, like he, it's literally just a hand missing, but he has like the guess you would say like the wrist down i guess kind of sort of but like he'll use his one hand to grab the hand with no hand if that makes sense to kind of like tighten his grips i don't know how i've never noticed that in his other fights but it is pretty insane to watch because and that's kind of i think how he's able to put a lot of pressure on his chokes but he was able to get um able to get Corey down able to advance position um, and eventually got him in a arm triangle choke. Uh, I say bring him back, man. Like, I don't see the point in giving a dude a one. Well, I don't know. Because I don't know Nick Newell's situation. I don't know if maybe he, if he had other opportunities or anything. But I say just bring him back. Like, he came back. He won this first fight pretty impressively. Got a finish within the first round. Bring the man back. Let him keep fighting. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like Bellator doesn't need, you know. I, I like what Bellator is doing in terms of their their talent as of late um, i think it's gotten a lot uh, and i've said this plenty of times and I'll, I'll continue to praise this for them praise them for this i think their just level of talent overall has gotten a lot better within these last few years but they're still in need of depth like i wouldn't just don't just sign this man to a one fight contract let, let him keep coming back man he, he's a really solid fighter if you've watched him in uh wsof if you've you know, if you've seen a man fight before, he's he's a good fighter. Like let the man let let the man fight. Let let him be out here. 
So, shout out to Nick Newell. Got his win over via. Uh, got his win over Corey Browning via arm triangle choke. Uh, the next prelim, which I did not get to watch, uh, Connor Dixon versus Castriot Gemma. Uh, Connor Dixon won via submission, uh, via armbar in the third round. Uh, <laughs> funny part about this fight, uh, I didn't see it, but I just saw a quick clip of Gemma, or Gemma, I'm not sure how to say his name, uh, probably butchering it, but there was a point during the second, uh, I don't know what round it was. But I guess at some point he broke his hand or his thumb, and he's in the corner with Ray Longo. <laughs> he's like, hey, I broke my thumb. Longo's like, uh, what hand? He's like, oh, it's my right hand. And Longo's like, yeah, it's fine. You got another one. Can't do anything about it. <laughs> like, just, hey, bro, we don't care about your thumb. You got, you got another working thumb. I thought that, that was, that's Ray Longo to the core. That is that is Ray Longo to the core. So that that, that was a pretty, pretty funny clip. But Connor Dixon ended up getting the W uh, via armbar. Uh, next fight, John Manley defeated Thiago Rella via submission, rear naked choke. Didn't see that one, so I can't really comment on it. Uh, the next fight that I did get to see, uh, Chris Disanel versus Mike Kimball. Uh, like I said, Mike Kimball, I think, is more of a definition of what a prospect is. A guy who hasn't, in terms of pro experience, doesn't have a ton, but like you, you see the physical kind of gifts that he has and it, you just know it just it feels like there's something there but he kind of needs to hone it um this is a pretty fun fight they had some pretty good exchanges uh Kimball was able to hurt him a number of times uh on the feet um I think I've been trying to pinpoint like what because Kimball has talent, but it just seems like sometimes it doesn't always come together the way it should. Because if you if you saw most of the highlights of this fight, if I showed you everything but the finish, you'd be like, oh yeah, Kimball probably watched him. Like, he rocked Chris a, a couple of good times. But I, I just thought Chris had a, a lot of MMA is about decision-making uh, during fights. Especially when things aren't going your way. And like when he got rocked, he was able to kind of clinch and get his wits back about him. And I thought I thought Kimball probably made a mistake um, during one of their exchanges where he had, uh, they had like a little wild exchange and Kimball rocked him. And they ended up going to the ground. And while Kimball was on top, I was like, dude, you should just, just disengage. Like, it seems like you're faster on the feet. You're, you're really athletic and explosive. Like you might be able to, kind of just get a finish but they kind of tangled around on the ground for a little bit and I think that just it gave it gave Disanel more time to kind of get his wits back about him um, to be honest I don't remember how Disanel got the finish like what led up to it I just remember him just kind of raining punches down on Kimball and Kimball was in a bad spot where you kind of knew he wasn't it, it wasn't like one of those brutal like oh he's about to get knocked out but it was one of those it was one of those positions where he was eating shots and he just wasn't in a good he wasn't in a good position to really like defend himself or get out and you just kind of knew it was going to be over and uh Disanel got the win I, I thought it was good on good on Disanel because like I said he was getting rocked but I, I thought he had kind of just better decision making and him being able to just kind of clinch when he needed just kind of get his wits about him um 
able to overcome a guy who I think was probably a bit more athletic and explosive than he was. But sometimes it just, like I said, it comes down sometimes to decision-making and being able to make those those little split decisions that kind of just, if they go your way, can really go a long way to getting your win. Um, so, yeah, Chris Dissonel gets the win over Mike Kimball. I like Kimball. Sometimes I think he just needs to be, I don't know if he, it's like a patience thing. Um. I think he has a lot of talent, but it's just something there is not, something is just isn't clicking. I don't know if he just needs more experience. Uh, Sometimes maybe he gets a little too wild. Maybe he just needs to tone it back a little bit. Maybe pick shots a little better. I, I don't know. It's, it's just something there I seem is not, something there is just, it seems like it's not clicking sometimes. But. Can't take nothing away from uh, Chris Disnell. He went out there. He he did what he needed to do. He was able to overcome. And hey, some sometimes that's enough. So shout out to Chris Disnell. Got the win over Mike Kimball. Uh, moving on down, Ricky Bandejas versus Ahmet uh, Kyretti. If I'm saying that correct, I don't remember much of this fight. And it only ended. I mean, it was one round anyway, so it wasn't a lot to remember. But. <laughs> I know they stood and traded for a little bit, but all I remember was the finish in which I met through this really ugly kind of leaping left hook. And Bandejas kind of stepped back, caught him with this really short, and in real time, I didn't even see it. Excuse me, it happened so fast. He stepped back and caught uh, a met with this really short right hook, just kind of straight to the jaw, dropped him, got some uh, shots off uh, after he dropped him, and that was pretty much it, <laughs> pretty much he just put the man's lights out, um, yeah, don't just be leaping in with left hooks like that, like, he didn't really, he didn't, uh, Ahmed didn't even really, like, set that left hook up, like, he just kind of leaped in with it, and he just was kind of asking to be put out, um, Good, good, good on Bandejas, another guy on Bellator's roster that I think a lot of people just kind of want to see blossom into something. Um, I think he had, I want to say he had a setback his last fight, but uh, yeah, he got choked out by, I cannot remember the, the guy's name. But, um, you know, good, good, good way to bounce back from, from a loss. So, shout out to Ricky Bandejas. Um, hopefully he continues to grow. Definitely would like to see him. Just I just want to see Bellator have like that next wave of of guys so we can just see fight for titles or just kind of make a name for themselves. Be be like the next be be some new fresh faces that we can look forward to. Um, so good on Ricky Bandejas got the KO over Ahmed Karedi uh, in the first round uh, at middleweight. Uh, Austin Vanderford versus Joseph Creer. Uh, Austin Vanderford. Uh, known as uh, Paige Van Zant's husband, out here, out here carving his own lane. Uh, good, good on Vanderford in this fight to. Uh, I go back to this a lot, you know. I, I can't remember what fight I mentioned it last week. Like, there's always something to be said about a fighter when things aren't going your way, and then you realize there's at least one advantage you have. And you just kind of use that advantage <laughs> to the best of your ability. Um, because Joseph Creer, kind of a tall and rangy uh, middleweight, uh, did a lot of work on Vanderford in the first round because he was just able to keep distance. He was catching Vanderford with body kicks. He was working his jab, just 
Vanderford was really struggling to get on the inside, um, and Career was really just kind of picking him apart from the outside. It was not looking good, and I think Vanderford got a takedown at like the end of the first. I can't remember. I feel like at some point he did, and then after he got that takedown um, in the second round, um, Career came out. Yeah, and it, it was kind of looking like a repeat of the first where he, he came out kind of aggressive. He he was starting to get those strikes off really good. And I, I can't remember. It was a weird kind of sequence where, like, I can't remember what career hit Austin with. I don't even know if he hit him with anything. But, like, Vanderford hit this weird kind of, like, duck crouch <laughs> thing. I don't know what he was doing. Um, but it ended up leading to him getting a takedown over uh, on career. And... He was able to work top position, landed some pretty nasty ground and pound. I think he hit Creer uh, with a couple of elbows, and he ended up cutting Creer open pretty bad. Creer had a, uh, cuts on the top and bottom of his eye, like he was he was bleeding pretty much all over the place. Vanderford did a did a pretty good job on the ground once he got him down there, of really punishing him for it. And um, the doctor ended up stopping the fight because of the cut. But I just thought it was good on Vanderford because, like I said, he was really struggling in that first round, just trying to deal with range and distance and. Career was just really just picking him apart, picking him apart with his kickboxing, and but when Vanderford took him to the ground, it's a complete different story. Like he just was able to negate all of those advantages that Career had on the feet once he took him down. Like suddenly that length didn't that that length and that range didn't really matter. Uh, Vanderford was just kind of able to muscle him around on the ground and beat him up. So props to Vanderford, man. Um, able to you know make adjustments, have a good comeback from that first round, really punish Career. Uh, you hate to see fights end in a, a doctor stoppage, but um, he, he, he beat him up pretty pretty good on the ground, so I, I can't really be mad at it. So congrats to Austin Vanderford. Uh, got the TKO win. Uh, next fight at welterweight, uh, Sabaya Hamasi versus Micah uh, Terrell. Or Terrell. Um, 17 seconds. They came out. <laughs> they both just kind of, you know, kind of come out you do the little feel out i'm in my stance you in your stance we kind of feign doing this whole whatever whatever hamasi comes over the top with a right completely ends micah's life just <laughs> shang sung soul departure the second he lands that right hand and just micah's body went stiff hand in the air one of them one of them <laughs> chaos like jesus christ he um he stiffened and flatlined uh, Micah with one punch. It was uh it's pretty nasty. Um, it's not much else to say. It was literally like a one punch, one one hit a quitter. I think he landed ground and pound. Not that he needed it, but it was a one hit a quitter. <laughs> it was one hit soul departure. Uh, see you in the afterlife, my friend. It it was one of those. So congrats to Sabaya Hamasi. Um, I don't know his record, but if he's out here snatching souls like this, I would like to see him fight again. Uh, I'm, I'm down for anybody who has those kind of hands. So congrats to Sabaya Hamasi. He he killed a man in 17 seconds. Uh, moving on down, Aviv Ghazali versus Edward. Uh, oh boy, I'm gonna I'm, ooh, I'm gonna kill this one. Marat Maritsky. Mar Mar probably wrong you know what it doesn't matter the fight ended in 11 seconds who cares <laughs> another really quick affair um 
<laughs> Aviv starts the fight, immediately goes for an Imanari roll, gets a hold of Micah's leg, gets a heel hook in. Wow. Like <laughs> and I think I think they said that was Bellator's um record for fastest submission. That that's definitely one of the fastest submissions I've ever seen. Um like like literally when it starts, straight MNI roll, gimme your leg, heel hook, game over. Um and I think Aviv's like eighteen. Um so shout to him. Not not much else to dissect. MNI roll, heel hook, game over. <laughs> so congrats to uh Aviv got that heel hook in the first round and the last fight on the card at welterweight Cronry Gracie uh versus Oscar Vera. Um I don't remember this fight in a lot of detail uh other than I think they mentioned that Vera fought Hobson Gracie and got submitted via armbar and then he fights Cronry Gracie and same thing happens. Um I just don't remember. I, I I know Gracie got him down, and I think Oscar played in played in the played in the guard too long. You don't really want to be on the ground with anybody with the last name Gracie, um, and he paid for it. And that was uh <laughs> that was kind of that. And that was it, man. That was Bellator two twenty five. Um, it was an awesome card, man. Like I said, uh, what what is this? Can't count one, two, three, four. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 14 fights, 14 finishes. So you can go back and watch this on the zone. Um, they got it up there. Uh, that's how I watched it this morning. Finishes on finishes on finishes. You got knockouts. You got submissions. Um, one hit of quitters. Uppercuts. Darce chokes. Arm bars. Imanari rolls. You got everything, man. You got <laughs> the the only thing, the the only kind of KO I wish could have been on this car was a head kick. But in a, in a night of all finishes, I really can't complain, um, especially for a card that I honestly wasn't really looking much forward to at first. But boy, did it deliver! Um, so definitely go back and watch this, man. It was a really, really dope Bellator card. Um, and you know, I I, I guess we kind of got storylines from it maybe um you know Minikov back in his winning ways so I don't know maybe we'll see him I don't know fight Ron Bader uh, I don't know how that works out uh you know Yaroslav Amasov continues to impress so maybe we'll see get to see him in some big fights uh the you know continued progression of Tyrell Fortune uh or Fortune so you know that'll be something to look at hopefully we'll get to see Nick Newell again I would like to see Nick Newell again um, and a lot of their prospects, you know, a lot of their prospects won. Um, maybe Mike Kimball, who I, I think they would probably want to win. I think they, I feel like Bellator probably does see something in him. But, you know, he lost, unfortunately. But a lot of their other prospects and, and younger fighters did really good. So, could spell good things for Bellator. We'll see. But definitely go back. That was Bellator 225. Go back and give it a watch if you did not get a chance to check it out. Um, there were lots Lots of uh, lots of fisticuffs and a lot of people ain't make it out alive. Well, nobody did really. <laughs> nobody made it out uh, alive. Fourteen fights, fourteen finishes. So that was Bellator two twenty five. Go back and give it a watch. Uh, next week, uh, you guys might get next week's pod a little late, possibly, because um, this card will be on. I want to say really early in the morning. 
and I have to work Saturday mornings and after I get off work I have to go be a good friend uh, for the second week in a row and support another friend in their uh, turning of the dirty 30 so I'll be out Saturday night as well so probably won't get around to really recording next week's episode till maybe like Sunday evening don't know but you know you guys will still get it just if it's a day or so late just you'll just wanted to give a heads up but next week's podcast uh, will be UFC Shenzhen going down in China where Shenzhen is <laughs> um but that card is coming up next week uh you got Jessica Andrade versus Weili Zhang for the strawweight title cannot wait for this fight a lot of y'all real reckless on, on this internet disrespecting Weili Zhang when she got this title shot I think y'all are gonna see she's I think she's gonna give Andrade a tough fight I'm, I'm rooting for her and I hope she wins I'm not saying she's going to win but I'm rooting for her um I think y'all, a lot of y'all are sleeping on Whaley just because she's not like a huge name, but she's been out here putting in work. Um, probably, aside from Andrade, probably probably the second like physically strongest fighter on in that division. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how, how their strength uh, matches up against each other. But that's going to be an awesome fight. Uh, Lesky Dos Santos versus Deleach, Jing Leon Lee. Uh, you got Kanan Song versus Derek Krantz. Mizuki Inoue making her UFC debut against Wu Yanan. Uh, Kai Car Franz versus Mark De La Rosa. Uh, Anthony Hernandez versus John Yung Park. Andre Sukumtat versus Sud uh, Mudaraji. Couple of solid, pretty solid night of fights. Not, not a super crazy stack card, but I, I think this will be a pretty. I think this will be one of those cards that even when you don't maybe recognize a lot of names, I think we'll get some pretty good scraps out of this, and we'll get to see the debut uh, of Laura Fritzen Presopio, who I think the UFC signed from. Where did she fight? I can't remember where she fought. What other organization she was in? Um, uh, Shudo. She was in Shudo. I think she was their flyweight champ. Uh, and Shudo, so I couldn't find any of her fights, but we'll, uh, Flyweight and Flyweight is in need of new blood, so I'll be keeping an eye on that fight to see if if she's anybody worth keeping an eye on, eye out for. But um, nah, next week card UFC Shenzhen should be pretty dope. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, there might be some other fights next week, but I don't have them pulled up in front of me. So yeah, if there are any other fights that I didn't mention next week. You guys will hear about them. Between me and the Antarctica, we'll, we'll have all of our bases covered. I think we, we do our homework pretty well. Um, but that was Bellator 225. Awesome card. Lots of good finishes. Definitely go give it a look. Um, so that's pretty much it. So I'm going to uh, end this with parting shots and shout outs. And my one shout out uh, will go to, let me pull up my, my notes. Uh, Jason Soares of Titan FC, who also had a card this weekend. Um, uh, I don't know if it was Friday or Saturday, but they had a card sometime this weekend. Uh, Jason Soares, featherweight champ, uh, defended his uh, belt against Andrew Whitney. Uh, what was a pretty pretty good fight. Um, I thought Whitney had a pretty good first round, but uh, Soares just able to get him down. And that's, that second round was pretty much a wipeout. Soares kind of dominate him on the ground and on the feet and on the ground and that that uh Suarez won via armbar it was a nasty armbar like the way he was able to just get his foot like all the way over Andrew's head <laughs> to lock in that armbar was pretty wild 
but uh, I, I gave this. Uh, I wanted to give Suarez the shout out because during the last couple of episodes, I kept referring to somebody in Titan FC who didn't get picked up by Dana, and I think I got the name wrong both times. This was the guy <laughs> who I was talking about, um, who I was, who I meant to correctly mention, who uh, a couple months ago at some point, I can't remember when, uh, Titan FC had a pretty loaded card. And everybody thought Suarez was going to get signed. He ended up winning this fight. He had a comeback win. And he ended up, I think he ended up getting the finish. And Dana didn't sign him. And dude's like undefeated. Um, seems like he's more of a grappling jujitsu ace. But his stand-up is, is, is pretty solid. And I think he showed that in this fight that he is actually pretty well-rounded. And just a guy who's really been out here handling business and is... At, I think at this point it's like, all right, man, somebody, somebody's got to sign this guy. Like, he's clearly one of the most talented guys. Like, oh, here comes that 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 word prospect again. <laughs> um, the probably one of the most talented prospects who's not signed to like a major promotion. Um, but yeah, I, I I I've seen the last few of his fights, and I'm like, all right, man, this. We can get him in a Bellator or UFC or somewhere, man. PFL at this point, uh, he is 13-0. and 0. Like I said, Titan, uh, current Titan FC featherweight champ. At, at this point, well, 13 now, 14-0 and 0 after that fight. But at this point, like, all right, man, let's, let's get this guy in a bigger promotion and see what he can do. I'm not saying he's going to come out here and win a bunch of belts and do all that, but... Dude seems like a really solid featherweight with a pretty good skill set. Um, and I just, I, you know, Titan FC has pretty solid solid fighters. I've watched a few of their cards. They, they have some pretty pretty solid cards. If you have Fight Pass, I think they're worth giving a watch if you're an MMA fan. But, like, when he's starting to separate himself from the bunch, at, at, at that point, it's kind of time, like, all right, let's, let's get this guy to the next level and see... See what he can do. Clearly, he's been out here handling business. So, let's see him in the UFC, at Bellator. Like I said, at this point, even the PFL, because they have some pretty talented featherweights. Like, let's see what this guy can do at another level. Um, I, I think he's proven in Titan how good he is, and it's, it's time to give him a step up. So, I wanted to give Jason Suarez a shout out. Uh, really talented featherweight. If you got haven't had a chance to see him fight, and you got fight pass. Uh, Go watch the last few Titan FC cards that he's been on. Uh, dude, dude's, dude's pretty solid, man. He's pretty good. I, w- I would like to see him get a step up in competition. Um, and once again, just to reiterate, uh, shout-outs to Andrew Luck, man. Just best of luck in retirement, life after football. Hope your body heals up. Um, I, don't, I don't know if he has to get any surgeries or anything, but I just hope all that goes well, man. Just really sucks to see. Uh, somebody that talented just have to kind of have their career cut short. Um, you know, just because just their body just physically just can't really hold up any longer. So, shout-outs to Andrew Luck, man. As a Colts fan, appreciate the years. Had some good memories. Um, and ho- hope life after football just treats you well. But, that's all I got, man, for today's episode. So, as always, you can give this podcast a listen. SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, Google Play. Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. Hit me up and follow me on Twitter and Twitch 
at Serial Sensei, and you can buy my book, The All Bar Chronicles, if you would like, for the very fair price of 99 cents for a digital copy on Amazon, or if you are more of the physical type, 8.99 for a paperback. Because I'm a starving author, and I have bills to pay, and I need your help. So buy my book. Oh, actually, sorry. Real quick before I get out of here. Uh, shout out to uh, the Nerds on Hip Hop podcast. Every now and again, I get to go raid other people's podcasts that aren't MMA related because I have many other interests. Uh, if you want to hear me talk about hip hop, anime, uh, check out Nerds on Hip Hop podcast. I was on their latest episode uh, where we talked about the anime Carol and Tuesday. Um, we also talked about Flying Lotus's album Famagra, which is amazing. If you haven't uh, gotten a chance to listen to it, or if you don't listen to it, but um, I was on their podcast. Shout out to Miss Old School uh, and the Wolves Den. Um, I reposted it on my SoundCloud page. So if you want to give that episode a listen, hear me talk about things not MMA related, hear me nerd out about anime and hip hop, and you know, just just a bunch of other really cool things. We had a really dope dope conversation. I would love to do another episode with those guys. But if you want to hear me on something like not MMA related, uh, go give that a listen. So like I said, it's on my SoundCloud page. Uh, the Nerds on Hip Hop, it is episode 38 for them. Uh, so go give that a look on uh, the Dojo, uh, on my SoundCloud page uh, to go give that a listen. So shout out to them. But that's all I got for today's episode. So as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And until next time, I will catch you guys later.